Uh, if you turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 9, we'll be looking at that for just a couple of minutes. I don't know about you, but when I was young, I wanted the time to go really fast. I uh, looked forward to the time when I would get my driver's license, when I'd go to high school. But once I got to high school, I was looking forward to the day when I could go to college. And then when I got to college, I was looking for the time when I would get out and get a job. But somewhere along the line, it seemed like time just started to speed up. And I know that I'm not as old as some in this room, and some of you look at you and they're like, just wait till you get to my age. But I graduated 12 and a half years, from high, 12 and a half years ago from high school. It just seems like almost yesterday. And for some of you, maybe that's 20 or 30 or 50 or even 60. And if you're like me, you know, I kind of compartmentalize time in my mind and kind of think about time periods. And I think back about, you know, the 90s. And I think that, well, that wasn't very long ago. It seems like just around, just passed around the corner. And then you think about it, it's like it's over about 20 years ago that that was the 90s. Time goes really fast. And the scriptures attest to that fact. Let's read Psalm chapter 39. The prayer of Moses, the man of God, says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our ears to an, ears to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by re- reason of strength, eighty. Yet the span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many days as for many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to to their children. Let the favor of of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. When we think about New Year's, we often think about opportunities for the future. It's a time to change, a time to make new choices. And that's... That's good. That's a good thing. It's a healthy thing to think about it in that way, about the things that we can change and the opportunity that we have to be different in 2018. But if we're going to be honest with ourselves and not to be morbid, we don't know exactly how much time we have left. For some of us, probably 2018 might be our last year. We don't know what God has in store for us. This might be the last year that we're on the earth. If you fast forward 10 years, maybe 10 to 15% of us are no longer here. If you fast forward 50 years, maybe only 10% of us are still here. Life is short and time goes really, really fast. 
In this passage we're looking at today, it says that we're like a dream. We're like grass that sprouts up in the morning and by the evening withers away. In verse 10, it says the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil, trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. We live in a world that's broken, a world that's tarnished. And the reason it's broken and the reason it's tarnished is because of our sin and the fact that we're under God's curse. In Genesis 3, it talks about that curse. And to Adam, he said, God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your... By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So the curse that was put on mankind because of sin was first that we would toil, that there would be struggle, there would be hardship in this life, and also that there would be a finality to life, that we would not live forever, that we would not partake of the tree of life. The text we're looking at today says, You return man to dust. You say, Return, O children of man. So this passage makes clear that life is frail, that life is short, and then with one stroke, God could wipe us off of the face of the earth. But this passage also is hopeful. It also gives us a glimpse of eternity, that we can kind of hitch our lives to eternity, so to speak. And it teaches us that God is the thread that connects our lives to eternity. God's the thread that connects our lives to eternity. God exists outside of time. It says, before the mountains were brought forth, from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. Now we have trouble conceiving of that because we're finite people. We have a beginning and we have an end. We were born and one day will die. And so it's kind of hard for us to imagine. It, maybe it's a little bit hard for us to imagine life going on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But it's even harder to imagine not having any beginning. But the Scriptures say God is outside of time. He had no beginning. He has no end. He always is and He always was. And so God is the one who's outside of time that connects our lives to eternity. He's the thread to our past, to our present, and to our future. And so God connects us to these three levels, these three tenses, to our past, to our present, and to our future because He's outside of time. So He connects us to our past first. He connects our past to eternity. It says in the text in verse 1, Lord, You have been our dwelling in all generations. You've been our dwelling in all generations. The Lord has been a refuge to all who have called upon Him since the beginning of creation. You know, if you look around this church, you'll see some plaques and memorials. And I have no idea who the people were. But they were probably people who went to this church. If you go over to Payne Avenue and look at the, the tombstones there, many of those people probably went to this church. And those people worship the same God that we worship. The same God that Martin Luther King Jr. cried out to as he was fighting against racial injustice is the same God that we can cry out to. The same God that Jonathan Edwards and Charles Spurgeon and St. Augustine and the, the Apostle Paul, Abraham, Moses, Moses. The same God that they call out to is the God that we cry out to. 
The same God that our believing loved ones called out to is the same God that we can call upon today. And the truth is, our loved ones who believed in Jesus are right now in the presence of their Lord and Savior. They're with Jesus right now. And so God is our thread to the past. He's the God of both the living and the dead. And when we call upon Him, we call upon the God who is the God of the living and the dead. So He connects our past to eternity. He connects us to the past and those who have gone before us. He second connects our present to eternity. The psalmist who is described as being Moses in this passage tells us, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we might get a heart of wisdom. Now if we're honest with ourselves, even the youngest among us, the most we might have is maybe 50, 60, 70 years ahead of us. And that time just goes by fast like a snap of fingers. We don't like to think about the end. We don't like to think about death. And we're not meant to be morbid, but we try to sanitize everything in regards to death. Our culture tries to sanitize death, treat it as if it doesn't exist. But we need to have a realization that this life is not our home. This is not what we were meant for. Our lives could be gone sooner than we might imagine. Moses gives us some keys, though, to living in the present. He gives us the key to having a joyful life in the present. He tells us, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we might rejoice and be glad all of our days. Moses tells us that when God's love is poured out on us, and when we live in God's presence, we can have joy even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of death. That as we live our lives in sojourn, in this temporary existence, we can live a life of joy when our life is found in God. So Moses says, you can have a life of joy when God satisfies you with His love. And so as believers, we need to seek Him with all of our heart, believing and trusting that He's our perfect Heavenly Father. And that as we do that, we can find joy no matter what we're facing in this life. But Moses also gives us the key to having significance. It's one of the kind of the two primary things that we long for in life joy and significance. Significance that we would make a difference, that we would leave a lasting imprint on the world. And the truth is, from a human standpoint, we are really not all that significant. There are billions upon billions of people in this world and we could maybe have a little influence on those around us, but it won't be long before we're gone. It won't be long even before our children or grandchildren are gone. And by the time you get to great and great grandchildren, we'll be, you're lucky if they even remember who you were. Time keeps moving. Freelance writer Greta Christ, Christina, who is an atheist, describes her struggle with the idea of death from a natural viewpoint. Writing in a magazine popular with skeptics called The Skeptical Inquirer, she says, death can be an appalling thing to think about. Not just frightening, not just painful, it can be paralyzing. The fact that your lifespan is an infinitesimally tiny fragment in the life of the universe. That there is, at the very least, a strong possibility that when you die, you disappear completely and forever, and that in 500 years, no one will remember you, and in 5 billion years, earth will fall into the sun. 
This can be a profound and defining truth about your existence that you reflexively repulse, that you flinch away from and refuse to accept or even think about, consistently pushing it to the back of your mind whenever it sneaks up for fear that if you allow it to sit in your mind, even for a minute, it will swallow up everything else. It can make everything you do and anything anyone else does seem meaningless, trivial to the point of absurdity. It it can make you feel erased, wipe out joy, make your life seem like ashes in your hands. That's a picture of what life is like without God. Emptiness. Because from a natural viewpoint, it's unlikely that we would have any significance on those around us, that our name would even live on. Yet with God in our lives, we can do things that ripple into eternity. With God in our lives, we can... By the words of the Holy Scriptures, we can bring somebody to Christ. With God in our life, we can create patterns in our family as we love and show, share God's uh, Word with our family. We can create patterns in our family that live long after we're gone. The text says in verse 17, Let the favor of the Lord be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. If we're going to live life of significance... God is going to have to establish. He, the eternal one, is going to have to establish our work because apart from Christ or or God establishing our work, we're going to be insignificant. But God gives us significance. He gives us the opportunity to do things that matter, to do things that will last. 1969, author and pastor Philip Johnson received a call to serve a number of churches Uh, A number of them were very small churches. And the first day of his new ministry, he found out that the church he was going to was in Newfoundland in a very small town. And he would have to travel 40 miles by snowmobile to get there. And so he traveled there 40 miles. And he gets to the church building. And there's one person there. One person. It was a fisherman who had traveled 20 miles to get there. And so he thought, at first he thought, well, there's one person. I'm not going to have a service for one person. Maybe we'll just say a prayer and then call it a day and go back home. But then he thought, as he thought about it more, he thought, well, I've come 40 miles. He's come 20 miles to get here. 60 miles combined, 60 miles to get back. We should just do a service. So he did a service just as if there were hundreds of people in the, in the congregation. They did hymns. They did prayers. They took communion. He did a benediction. But while he was doing the message, the sermon, he wondered why he had bothered with it at all. The fisherman just sat there, looked down, never looked up. But then when Johnson greeted the fisherman at the door and thanked him for coming, he received his pleasant surprise. The fisherman said, Reverend, I've been thinking about becoming a Christian for about 30-odd years. And today's the day I'd like to do it. Now, from a human perspective, that pastor who went all that way, it was useless to have a service for one person. But he made that journey. He did that service. He shared the gospel with this one man. And because of that, that one man will spend forever in the presence of God. And if he wouldn't have traveled that 40 miles to get to that service, if he wouldn't have preached the gospel, maybe that person would have never come to know Christ. 
Things that seem insignificant from a, from a worldly perspective, God uses, and He uses those things to ripple into eternity. God establishes the work of our hands. He allows us to live lives of significance to do things that matter. So He connects our past to eternity. He connects our present to eternity. And then finally, He connects our future to eternity. John 6.58 says this, This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. See, Jesus became dust so that we wouldn't have to remain in the dust. Jesus came to the earth and became a withered vine so that we wouldn't fade away. Jesus was swept away from the land of the living so that we might have a firm foundation. Jesus was brought to an end by God's wrath so that we might live forever. And so because of Christ, because of what He's done on the cross in the resurrection, we no longer have to be constrained by time. Death no longer has to be an enemy. Yes, it's something that hurts. It's painful when we lose loved ones. But it's not something that destroys us. It's not something that controls us because we know as believers in Jesus, one day we'll rise again. Just like Jesus rose again from the, day, from the dead, we as believers will one day rise again to new life, to live forever and ever and ever. Our bodies are dying. They're decaying. But our spirits are being renewed, the Scripture says. And once again, we'll eat from the tree of life and live forever in the presence of God. So while we are finite, while we are temporary, while we will only be on this earth for a short time, God is the thread that connects us to eternity. He connects our past to eternity in that we call upon the same God that our ancestors called upon, that all the heroes of the faith called upon. That He's the God of the living and the dead. He connects us to our present in that we can have joy in the present. That no matter what we're facing, we can live in a relationship with God. That we can live lives of significance. That even though we're finite, we can do things through Christ that will ripple into eternity. That will make a lasting difference. And finally, God connects us our future to eternity. And that one day we will rise again to spend forever with Him. So what does that mean for us today, 2017, almost 2018, as we are entering into the new year? Well, I think it means two things for us. On the one hand, we need to be sober. On the one hand, we need to be vigilant. On the one hand, we need to realize that we don't have that much time on this earth. Even if we have 50, 60, 70 years left, that's not really that much time. So we need to live with the end in mind. And we need to focus on the things that matter. To allow Christ to intersect our life. To seek to serve Him and do things that will have a lasting impact. Steve Jobs, uh, one of the founders of Apple, who's not a believer, but he shares a helpful viewpoint that I think we can adopt as believers in Christ as he lived every day in light of the end. He says, When I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll certainly be right. It made an impression on me, and since then, for the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? 
Whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You're already naked. So on the one hand, we need to be sober. We need to realize that we don't have that much time left. But on the other hand, we need to have hope. Because as we look at that and we think to ourselves, we only have this much time left, and we, we don't really know exactly how much time we have left. But we know our time is short. As we look at that, from a worldly perspective, we might think, well, we should just live it up. We should just try to live for today. But we're not talking about that mindset from a Christian perspective. The Christian perspective has a mindset of hope. That though we're finite, though we're going to die, though this world is going to end, we know that as believers we'll live forever. And so we're not just trying to live for today. We're trying to do things that impact eternity. And so we have that hope in our heart that we're not constrained by time. That each day that we have is an opportunity to serve the Lord, to make a difference for His kingdom until He returns. Scriptures say that God's mercies are new every morning. And each day we have is a gift, a chance to honor Christ, a chance to become more like Him, and a chance to point people to Jesus. So we have hope that even though we're constrained, even though we are in time, even though we have a short time on this earth, we have hope that we're not constrained by time, that we will live forever. I'd like to close by reading a a poem by uh, an author named C.T. Studd that kind of encapsulates what our heartbeat should be as believers in Christ. It says, Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before His judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in His will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. Enjoy your sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. And from the world, now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. 
And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, "Twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you entered into time, you entered into sin to live a perfect life, to die on the cross and to rise again so that we wouldn't be constrained by time, so that we could have a relationship with you that lives on forever. You described eternal life as as knowing you, the only true God. And God, we just thank you for what you've done for us. God, I pray that as we enter 2018, that we would be focused on the things that matter. That we would have a sober-mindedness to realize that our time on this earth is short. That we wouldn't live as if this world is our home. That we wouldn't grow too comfortable with the things of this world, but that we would live every day in light of your kingdom. That we would live every day in light of eternity. That we would live lives of joy as we seek you and your presence. That we'd live lives of significance as we seek to Show your love to those around us and share your love with them. Lord, we just pray that in all that we do, we'd become more like you. And the life that we live in this world, in this life, God, we pray that it would be pleasing to you and that it would make a lasting difference for your kingdom and for your glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen.